0: Everybody always seems to be looking for like the next algorithm change and what's going on next and how do I beat the system? And the people that are really successful are just themselves. It's people yeah. are drawn to their energy and their personality and, and they've stayed authentic. And I think that that's the big one is don't change yourself to make these, to, to draw people and just
1: stay you. Welcome fempreneurs. My name is Lindsay Berry. I'm the host of the Femprinter Marketing Podcast, and I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest today. Her name is Jessica from Savory Experiments. She has a brand new cookbook out called Beef It Up. She has written tons and tons of awesome, awesome content and recipes for publications such as Parade Magazine and Better Homes and Gardens, and many, many other publications as well. So she's gonna share all sorts of things about her business, um, including her social media strategy and yeah, much, much more. Let's dive in. What I'm doing now was kind of an accident,
0: uh, a happy accident, but an accident. And funny enough, my dad when before I went to graduate school to be a psychotherapist my dad told me I should go into business and at that point in time I was in business I worked for Edie's and haagen ice cream um doing marketing and sales and I went back to school I needed to you know change the world and do all the good things so I went back to school to become a psychotherapist and I was also a college professor and I really enjoyed it I loved what I did But I wasn't completely fulfilled, kind of on the creative side, I guess. So my husband and I come from families that really enjoy Sunday family dinners and gatherings and get togethers and we didn't have that being transplants here in Baltimore So we started inviting friends over for dinner on Sunday And I don't know if it was a stupid decision or a smart decision But that was my time to try out new recipes Which you know when you have like a hungry table of 12 probably not the best time to be like, let's see if this works Um, But we would order a pizza if it was terrible and that is how it all started They started asking me for the recipes and one day I had a patient no-show so I Googled how to start a blog and I just started writing about it. And this is long before blogging was a career, long before there was ad revenue and monetization and sponsorships. Influencers were not a thing. Instagram did not exist. There weren't even pages for for on Facebook yet. I mean, this is 12, 13 years ago, which which isn't that long ago, but in, in social media and influencer world is eons ago. So you couldn't monetize yet, but I was just doing it as kind of a passion project. And the other piece of that was my husband and I were going through fertility treatment and I needed an outlet that wasn't work. And, you know, I didn't want to watch TV. I couldn't go to the gym as much because of the fertility treatment. So I took up writing and kind of just figuring it out in the kitchen. And it stuck. So I started writing for larger publications. I wrote a cookbook about two years ago. I am going to be on a new show called Plate It Baltimore. It's a Hearst Media production where I'm a judge for a cooking competition. And I write for Mashed Parade, Better Homes and Gardens here and there, and a bunch of other large publications. And I also do a bunch of other fun TV food stuff for brands. I did a bunch of stuff for Sprouts Market, and and I'm doing some more coming up here in the next month. So it's kind of one of those funny things where you just never know where it's gonna take you. Um, And I was always scared to take the leap to quit my job as a psychotherapist. But when I got pregnant with my daughter, finally all that fertility treatment, it took about seven years, I made the jump. And I should have made it sooner. I should have made it sooner. My husband kept telling me too, and I, d- I didn't. <laughs> and now I'm kicking myself. I should have done it.
1: <laughs> right. But at least you're out here telling the true version of that story, inspiring other women to jump faster than you did. And I feel the same way. I mean, there's so many women that are still sitting in that, that place of, but I don't know what it's going to look like. And I don't know what I'm going to actually do when I jump. And it's like, just do it anyways and you'll figure it out. Right. Or would you say that there was something specific that you wish you would have done sooner when it comes to like making that big change?
0: I just, in my heart of hearts, I knew that if I had more time to dedicate to what I was doing, I could be able to exponentially make more right amount of hours worked and it just became impossible. I was working at the hospital and hours and hours Mm -hmm. and hours a day. And then, coming home and working on my blog and doing it on weekends. And I, I just, I knew that that would happen, but it was scary. It was scary to take that leap. And, and even though I knew I could, and now what I tell people is, you know, you can always go back to working. Like no one says you can't go back and get another job. It's not like, I decided to, to quit and I can never be a psychotherapist again or a college professor or anything else. Yeah. I can, if this doesn't work out for me and the whole food thing just completely, you know, the bottom falls out, I can go back to doing and practicing and teaching and and that's perfectly fine, but you'll never know unless you find out. And I don't want right. to live my life with shoulda, woulda, couldas. And yeah. it provides you with so much more freedom. I mean, freedom within your day, yeah freedom to travel freedom to spend time with my kids when i want to freedom to you
1: know go to the pool for the day freedom to go to the lake yeah and, the beach and do all the things yeah
0: it's a great place. yeah
1: yeah thank you for saying all of that thank you for you know just coming here and spending this time with you know me and all these other fem printers that are going to hear your story i really appreciate you i love everything you've said so far and i don't think we can hear it often enough from too many different people um, I would love to know more about the food part of your life. Like, was food a big part of your life growing up, or did it really become that staple for you to build a community and it was a first-time thing at that point?
0: Um, a little bit of both. So we very much cherished eating family meals at home at my house. And my mother, I think she actually joined, so sorry, Mom. But she only cooked, like, the same 12 recipes. She, she always did. Hi, Mom. Sorry cooked. about sorry about that. She's <laughs> always home-cooked, <laughs> but they they weren't – I love my parents. They're not the most adventurous eaters. Um, They're coming out of their shell. They're trying new things now, which I'm very grateful for, but they just weren't. So I started exploring more with food when I was in college, Um, very strict budget. So the the recipes I was making were, you know, short and sweet, but I, that's when I started. And then I started traveling more and eating more and being like, oh my gosh, there's like a whole world of food out here and I need to explore it. And that's kind of, Kind of how it started and now we we base our travel around food which <laughs> I
1: don't know if that's great or not and i try things well at i'm home. sorry i was just gonna say my boyfriend's a restaurant owner he owns one of okay. the most like established restaurants in our town and so i 100 percent do the travel because of food thing not necessarily by choice but i do it too and i i think it's pretty awesome really i mean yeah like It's really awesome the the restaurants that that we go to i find you come across a lot of family-run restaurants and it's so neat to kind of it's like you're sitting in their home sometimes do you find that when you travel
0: 100 percent. and when people find out what i do because i don't i don't necessarily i'm not one of those influencers that emails people ahead of time being like i'm coming um but sometimes it'll naturally come up with a server or a bartender or something else and They're so welcoming. Food is such a bridge regardless of what your language is. It is something that everybody has in common and they're so open and excited to sharing their story with you and their food and where each of these recipes come from. And you can read something on a menu and you read it on the menu. It sounds good, it looks good, it smells good. When the chef comes out from the back of the kitchen to tell you the lies and the hows of how this came about, it takes on a new life and you appreciate it so much more than if you had just ordered the thing that sounded good. And it, it, it makes that long lasting connection that you'll never forget. Like you'll go forth and you'll be like, I took that trip to Canada and I remember the chef coming out and telling me about his family recipe that he put on the menu and how his mom used to prepare it and how he's changed it. You'll never
1: forget those memories. Well, what would you recommend I actually have a friend she's here at the lake with me she has so much trouble eating in restaurants like all the time unless it's like you know going through a drive-through at a fast food place where she knows exactly what she wants because she's had it a million times she is very indecisive in general and she had told the story on instagram you know earlier this week so it's not like i'm disclosing personal information but it, it's from like kind of childhood stuff you know why she's so indecisive but she really notices that when she's with friends and family and the friends and family all bug her they're like oh my gosh we're going to be here for an extra half an hour because she's not going to be able to pick something off the menu do you have a trick for someone who's like you know maybe goes to a restaurant they, they've never been to been to before like what do you do when you go into a restaurant in a different country or something how do you decide what to order is there a trick to that or do you have kind of a rule for that Um, yeah, I do, but you probably (laughs) won't like it. It's order all of it.
0: Um, I order way (laughs) too much food. So (laughs) my husband kind of laughs. He doesn't even look at the menu now. Um, so generally if I'm going someplace and I know that they have a notable dish, we'll order that notable dish. But if there's multiple things on the menu that I want to try, I have absolutely no fear in ordering it. We went to, um, a Thai restaurant out in Las Vegas that I, I love. And, um, I ordered five entrees and I <laughs> had zero shame, <laughs> zero shame. I love that. Uh, so that that's my recommendation. Try it all and go with other foodies that are willing to share. You know, you don't want somebody that doesn't okay. want to share a plate, but uh, I, the more right. people I can get to go to dinner, that means the more things I'll get to try. And hopefully yeah, they'll yeah. all trust me to do the ordering. So that's ah, my trick, okay. order it all. Or my daughter, this one's a fun one, my daughter plays a game and it's basically kind of like roulette. She'll write down the names of all three items that she wants to order on the back of like a sugar packet and then flip them over and pick one. And she goes, no takesy backsies, whichever one she picks that's the one she orders. Oh,
1: I love that. Leaving it up to what's meant to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the sugar packet decides. I love that. Okay, cool. Let's talk to the fempreneurs for a bit here. I want you to to dish some business knowledge, some tips and tricks when it comes to just getting out there and getting your name out there and just being persistent and following your heart. Um, You know, if you want to get a little techie with us when it comes to your favorite marketing tricks, just whatever comes to mind when I ask you, what are some tips and tricks and, and um, you know, just some knowledge you can share around business growth and marketing? I'd say don't be afraid to scale. Don't pre- be afraid to outsource. For the longest time,
0: it was, you know, this, this is my baby and I don't want anybody else to touch it. But... I can see the comments. Hi, Lenore. Uh, Lenore is one of my photographers, one of my outsourced photographers on my team, and she does excellent photography. Um, But uh, it it was very hard to scale, but again, that was one of those pivotal moments that helped me grow to the next level. And now, whether it's full-time, part-time, or contract, I have 17 people under the Savory Experiments umbrella that all help the wheels turn. And if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be able to do all the things we're doing now. And part of that team is a publicist, you know, having somebody that's out there and trying to get those media connections for you, getting podcast interviews and Instagram live interviews, the more places you can touch, the better off you are. And some of those are going to be outside of your usual um, niche. I mean, you were talking about female entrepreneurs here, of course, Mm -hmm. that's what I'm into, but I need to expand. There's so many food bloggers out there that just think they need to only talk about food and they've got these blinders on to the fact that they're, they're more than just that. They're entrepreneurs, they're small business owners, they're, they're moms, they're, they're wives, yeah. they're all these other things that they can expand yeah. to and talk to that people will be interested in. So I'd say that that's a big one, making sure that you have those folks on your team, but also just being active and genuine everybody always seems to be looking for like the next algorithm change and what's going on next. And how do I beat the system? And the people that are really successful are just themselves. It's people are drawn to their energy and their personality and, and they've stayed authentic. And I think that that's the big one is don't change yourself to make these,
1: to, to draw people in. just stay you. Oh, I love that. That is so great. I think every printer needs to be reminded of that, like on a daily basis, like what feels right for you to put out there to the world. And um, yeah, or if you're a batcher, if you're a social media batcher, you know, if you're doing your, your whole week of social media on Mondays, for example, what feels right for you that week, maybe stick with a theme for the week. And yeah, don't worry about the algorithm. Don't think about the techie stuff, just go with your heart. And, uh, yeah, thanks for that reminder. I think we all need that every once in a while because there's a lot of marketers out there that I think they're going at the angle of trying to make people feel inadequate and confused (laughs) to sell their product or their course or their coaching. And it's so frustrating for me to watch because my clients, um, who I very much say the same thing you just said, I say that to them too. Follow your heart. And they're coming to me with like, oh, but I heard that if I do this at this time of day and I use this hashtag and that hashtag together, it'll be like this magical recipe. And I'm like, that sounds like a lot of work and a lot of like focusing on stuff that's not driven by your heart and your purpose for your business but okay try it if you want to and good luck you know i mean don't get me
0: wrong i'm very data driven i focus a lot on seo part of my role now is is really just analytics and analyzing data i look at seo trends i look at my own analytics and what's bringing in the the traffic because for for right. me my money is made off of ad revenue on the website, sponsorships and and affiliates. There's a couple of other revenue streams that I diversified to, but the main bulk of that is ad revenue on the website. So really looking at where these clicks are coming from and stuff like Instagram, I love connecting with people, but it's not a clickable link all the time. So that sends very little traffic. We don't expend nearly as much energy on Instagram as we do on Facebook that has clickable links. Um, also just knowing where your demographics are, but so things are still data driven, but it's a balance. It's, it's definitely a balance and sometimes that balance is hard. There's things you enjoy doing more than things you, you need to do that. You don't enjoy doing. And then there's the, you still have to make money to make sure you pay all the folks that help you out. So it's, it's a delicate dance.
1: Did you know that the best way to help other fempreneurs find this podcast is by following or subscribing? If you love these weekly doses of marketing power, guess what? Other fempreneurs are going to love them too and you have the power to help them find this podcast. Thank you so much for helping us empower more women to build their dream businesses. All right, let's get back to today's episode. You're one of the few people that I've ever talked to on this podcast that does, you know, has a a business model like you do where it's all about just putting out fantastic, fantastic content and then, you know, ad revenue is your, is your bread and butter. I think that is so cool that you're doing that. Was that um, the original goal when you started blogging? Like, was that something that you were really kind of focused on or did it kind of happen by accident that you came into that world?
0: It wasn't even an option.
1: When I started blogging, bloggers did it
0: for fun. It was a cute little hobby that, you know, housewives did at home. (laughs) Some were particularly witty and funny and people would follow them, but it wasn't a real income earner. It probably wasn't until three or four years in that we started to be able to put ads on websites. And brands were starting to understand the power of having influencers. And my first sponsored gig was free jelly. And let me tell you, I was ecstatic that I got paid in free jelly. I came home and told my husband, these people are going to give me jelly. Like, this is my break. I'm going to make jelly recipes for the rest of my life. And, um, it, and, it, and then the first, you know, month you made a hundred dollars, you're like a hundred dollars on the side. Sure. I'll take it. It was easy money. I was at work while it was coming in and it again, just kind of became exponential and exponential and exponential. And you know, it gets to the point where you're like, Oh, oh my God, like, is this really a thing? Wake me up because the, the numbers just keep growing and, yeah. and. I'm still really liking my job. Like what's wrong here? This has to be a joke, but it's not. So it wasn't always the goal, but now it's definitely the goal. And I get a little focused on it and upset. And sometimes I need to ground myself of like where I've come from and what I've done and what I have accomplished. And if I don't meet the goals that I've set for myself, it's
1: okay, we'll just make a different goal. Right, fantastic. So what would you tell your 10 year younger self? 10-year younger Jessica, what would you tell her today if you could talk (laughs) to her?
0: Quit your job now. You'd be so much further ahead. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No one could have known. No one could have predicted any of this. But I I know in my heart of hearts that I have the type of personality that goes and gets it. I like a challenge. I don't stop telling at the top. Don't tell me no. It makes me hungrier. Once I've achieved a goal, I just set another one. I, I give myself a quick little pat on the back. Bottle of wine, and then I'm on to the next thing. I don't really sit around and 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 waffle. I, I need to move forward. So it doesn't surprise me. I would say that was that would be what I'd tell myself ten years ago. Is don't don't be so scared. You only have one life. Yeah. Got you. Got to live it, and you, you don't want to have regrets, especially about something like that. You can always you can always go backwards.
1: Right. What kind of things? Um have you been able to instill in your daughter, like raising her, watching you do all of this? Like what are some of those major pinch me moments that you maybe shared with her been able to instill into her life for her future?
0: Well, my daughter is only five and a half. So she's still kind of learning things, but she knows that mommy works. She knows that mommy's the boss. She, she calls me a cooker. Do, what do you do as your mom do? She's a cooker. I'm like, that's fine. Because I don't even, you know, quite sometimes know how to describe to people what I do.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, you're like, I have seven different hats to do with food and travel. Yeah, I kind of
0: settled on food media. That's kind of the umbrella. Okay. Thing I'm under food right media. Now food media. That. But okay. um, she, it's work hard. It's work hard and don't give up. We don't just get, we right. are given things. You need to work hard to do that. And I have a son too. I have to say. Okay. I'm, I'm way harder on her. Than i am on him
1: oh
0: interesting uh, when and how old's it, your son he's only four
1: but oh. i just
0: i know and you know all the ladies out there know it's hard it is hard as a female working in the medical industry working in sales working in marketing working in a lot of spaces even food you know when you get up to the chef level is very male dominated and it can be hard. All of these things happen, like talking about the Me Too movement and horrible, you know, just being looked down upon and not being taken seriously. And yeah. I need her to be a strong female growing up. And you know, we don't we don't cry in front of people, and we just go, you mm-hmm. smile, you nod, and and you do it better. It's like that, you know, you just move forward. So I'm definitely yeah. harder on her moving forward. Even the other day, we were building Legos, and she was getting frustrated. You know, what do you do? You just step back, take a deep breath. And then you go and you kick some ass. And yeah, and <laughs> I love that. Butt, sorry. Yes. Um, no. It's good. But it, to her, it was but But she then she laughed at me. Good. Because of the potty words, but there there. It'll. I'm sure it'll grow as she gets older. And and I hope that she finds what makes her truly happy, and and can capitalize on that. It's not all about making money. It's about making a
1: powerful life for yourself. Right, and a life that positively impacts others i mean i've been looking through your stuff i think everything you're putting out there is it's so great it's it's helping people save time it's helping them feel inspired it's helping them bring community together to enjoy food and what what better community growth tool than food like i, I know for a fact that when i hold events for femmepreneurs, that if there's no food there that's like the attendance is half like if there's food people come 100 <laughs> percent. it's the best community growth tool out there we're also on a mission to
0: help people enjoy cooking again and bringing that back to the mm-hmm. kitchen the kitchen such a social place in the majority of households so many people look at cooking as a chore instead of a real family moment and a, a, a way to connect with your kids i mean even mine are young they still come into the kitchen with me and help me cook. And yes, I know that it's gonna take me a little bit longer and that it's gonna be a little bit messier, but I would never give back those moments. And as a mom, um, I don't know if you have kids, I've avoided the picky eater syndrome with them because they will, mm. they're more apt to eat what they cook rather than me just putting a plate in front of them because they're proud of it, they've explored it, they've touched it, they've tasted it, wow. and they've watched it come into whatever it is. So we're really trying to help people get back to that, that aspect in whatever family dynamic they have, or friend, family, or whatever it is, and enjoy cooking, reframe it to be something cathartic and fun and more of a sense of community than something you have to do
1: in a chore. Oh, I love that. I certainly need to think like that more. <laughs> um, yeah, I do have a son. He's 17 and a half, I guess. Okay. Um, and yeah, he, he loves food a lot. And I, I always thought that he would maybe we, like we used to watch the well, he used to watch the Food Network more than me. But I always thought that he would get into a career involving food. And I still kind of wonder because you know, at that age, their jobs, right, are usually in kitchens at various restaurants and fast food places. And he's been working at kind of a franchise restaurant here in, in, uh, for over a year now in the kitchen. And and he loves it. He loves the atmosphere. And I, and I suspect that kitchens can have um, maybe not so great of atmospheres, but the one he's in is luckily really great and he loves it. Um, And I do, um, I do think that there's so much to learn as a as a parent when it comes to food. I don't know about you, but I'm around a lot of parents. It seems to really cater to kids pickiness and I just never did that. And he kind of no. realized that it, that he would have to eat whatever cuz I wasn't going to cater to his pickiness. <laughs> I don't know if that's generally good, but what
0: we eat. There's a couple of things hey. that we're like, okay, like something too spicy, um, salmon is another big one. It's a very strong flavor for kids. But they they generally eat what we eat. We try we try that as much as possible so okay. and right. it's never too late though 17 and a half right. is still young but hey i switched careers <laughs> in my late 30s i'm in my 40s now right. so you know right. it's never it's never too late to switch careers it's not like the old days where you True. You, know, you start in a Absolutely. career and you stay there through your entire life until you retire
1: yeah that's one of the beautiful things about um about this day and age right um One last question that I had for you was about your cookbook and just the experience of building this piece of of um, creative kind of your creative brain that will live on long after you're gone. Like, was that always the goal from like the moment you started blogging or was that something that you kind of stumbled upon along the way or and where can we find it?
0: um well you can find it it's called beef it up so it's 50 recipes that are all involving beef uh, and they're all made in the kitchen so no grilling no smoking nothing no special equipment is needed they're comfort classics but with some modern twists on them so a lot of vegetables a lot of lightening up of meals a lot more color a lot more freshness they're not just brown you know, people think of beef as brown and gravy. <laughs> it's not just beef and brown and gravy. So it's it, it came about, I'd been approached for several different cookbooks and they weren't good fits. That goes back to being authentic to yourself. I declined them all. It wasn't okay. what I felt really strongly about, but I've been very strong here in the States about beef. I love cattle ranchers. 98% of, of beef in the US here is family ro- owned and run farms. They're not these big corporations. They really take pride in what they do in the process of ranching and the cattle that they're raising and the humane, being humane, to the animals that they're raising. And that to me speaks volumes. And to the point where we actually eat mostly sustainable seafood and beef over pork and chicken. Don't get me wrong, I still have bacon, I still eat chicken. But if you're looking at like our regular menu, those are the two things that reign highest in in the sustainability and humanitarian stuff. So when they reached, I worked a lot with Certified Angus Beef Brand and one of the publishers who had previously done a chicken book reached out and said, hey, you're kind of this great AUTHORITY, on beef, but not a professional chef and not working for the beef industry, is this something you'd be interested in? And I had my terms. I have a wonderful literary agent. And I said, listen, if we're going to do this, it needs to have that educational piece. It needs to have takeaways. So the entire first chapter is informational about working with beef in the kitchen. Beef is one of the only um, proteins that has over 150 different cuts. So it can be really confusing when you go to the grocery store. And then depending on where you live they're called different things you know even like a pot roast might be called a pot roast or a chuck roast or a tender roast or all these different things so the whole first chapter is kind of demystifying all the cuts of beef and then the best ways to prepare them how to properly brown beef how to properly salt beef different types of salts to use, peppers, things. It's a really educational book. Every single recipe has beautiful color photos as well as tips and tricks to help customize it. Cause we want you to take this as kind of the core base recipe, but really find yourself in the kitchen and explore with other flavors and make it your own. Yeah, I want you to write in there your notes next to it. So my goal was to just really make it a fun book to read, not just I turn to the recipe and make the recipe. I wanted you to read it, feel it, and learn from it. And I'm really proud of how it turned out. It turned out great. I had um, about 100 pages cut from it because I got a little bit too verbose, but uh, (laughs) it's still (laughs) still pretty hardy on the knowledge front
1: that's that's a better problem to have than to have your your you know your publisher say yo we need you to create another hundred pages so that's awesome yeah good for you um when did that book come out it can- came out about a year ago actually oh, it was May oh of gosh, last year really so it's
0: still fairly new yeah you can find it on amazon barnes and noble any place okay. books are sold it's um a story story hatchet publication so it, it might even be in i don't know if you guys have tractor supply up there or costco or target all of these yeah. these places it's
1: carried in okay. some markets in those stores as well but it's online and available on amazon Good for you. Okay. We will link to, we'll link to it on Amazon in the show notes for sure on the podcast. Um, wow. It's been such a, such a privilege to speak with you. I've been so enjoying this conversation. I don't want it to end, but I do need to let you get on with your day. So, um, yeah, really just wanted to ask you one final question, which is like, do you have something coming up that we can, that we can sign up for or support you in? Do you have an event that or something that we can like something time sensitive that we need to check out here in the next month or two, or maybe next six, 12 months even? I-
0: would encourage you to sign up for our newsletter our newsletter has a free e-course it's eight days on how to become a better home cook but then it also just helps you keep in touch with us because these projects come up and about constantly and that's how you're going to get that information i have a new tv show that i'm on i'm a, a judge for a cooking competition that comes out in about two weeks on the very local app, which is a Hearst Media production. And more information will be coming out about that via the newsletter in the next two or three days. Also on social media, if you follow us on social media, all of it's there. So we're really excited about that. Hello Fempreneurs, this is Laura, producer of the Fempreneur podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to hang out with Lindsay and I and other women like you, head over to femteam.com. We'd love to help you grow your business. Talk to you soon. Bye for now.